Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start, if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with us this week, we have Tom Giaconelli. Hello. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> very good, very good. Um, so we are at Romans. Um, for those that have not come across Tom or Romans International, um, we've done a few podcasts now, so you can go back. And in the first one, we sort of covered a bit of history of the business and how we sort of got here and Tom's story and stuff like that. Um, but we're here for a bit of an update. Um, I guess I've actually just told people kind of who you are, but if you mm-hmm. can you tell... The listeners who've not come across Romans, just a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, so Romans International is, we're based in in Surrey. Um, so we're an independent supercar dealer. Um, so we just had a little tour before we, we spoke and we've got, I think, 90 to 100 cars in stock, mix of supercars, luxury SUVs, uh, a few sort of modern classics, as you could say. Um, but yeah, we are a luxury car dealership, essentially. Yeah, and it's it ranges from okay. We there's a few sort of tiny items in the corner. Um, there's a couple of our baths, but everything else is what what would be the sort of is there like a sort of bottom level that you consider? Yeah, our, our bottom level is probably a, a hot hatch. So we, we'd get a few hot hatches, but they'd have to be absolute top of the range. So we get A forty fives. We get mini john cooper works that's mainly because i have a soft spot for them okay. and i had one as my first car um but the, our normal sort of entry level price point is about 50 grand okay and i guess that that sort of fits in the hot hatch would also sit in a garage as the runaround of someone that's the that thing has yeah. all this other stuff that's the thing we're trying we're trying to cater for our client as well as his wife his kids um who might have a, a hyper car but will want a range rover as his runaround and maybe a, a mini for his daughter yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I came here last, um, you the building next door existed, but I think was being refurbed. 
to some extent. It was near, I think it was nearly finished. Um, and then we did a podcast remotely. So maybe it, it must have been finished. That, that, was like 20, that was like 2021 was the last one we did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just had a child. So it must have been, yeah, 2021. And then the one we did before that was, yeah, midst of our refurb. So that was pre-COVID? Yeah, 19 or something like that. <laughs> 19 or 20 something maybe. Something like that. Um, but that's now finished. So you've now got tons more space. Yeah. Which you seem to have filled. It's a, yeah, it's a big site now. So yeah, since we bought the, the garage, which used to be a Ford dealership next door, you know, we've got a lot more cars here. Uh, there's more people. There's more business to be done. Um, more stress as well. But yeah, no, it's, it's working pretty well. And the whole place has just been upgraded. Obviously, when we did that one, we then had to refurb our old showroom. So it all kind of felt as one. Um, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. What's it like having like that volume of cars of a huge variety of values and how new and old they are sort of thing? Um, is managing, do you try and manage this sort of stock level, the overall stock level? And there's yeah. a risk, I guess. Yeah, that's that's partly my job is as the sort of main buyer is that I've always got a, like we try not to have two or three of the same car, um, you know, unless they're very, very different um, in spec. But we try and have a mixture of, we always want those kind of halo cars. You know, we've got a 918, a P1, a couple of Bugattis and Enzo you've seen. Um, so we try and have a few of those. Then we'll have like a selection of sort of more, uh, sort of supercar territory in terms of like 300 grand plus, which like the 458 Specialis, the Pistas, the 6765 LTs, things like that, which is more what we're known for. And then we'll have a whole forecourt full of SUVs because they, that's our bread and butter. They sell all the time. We can keep ticking those over and then we'll just maintain, I don't know, then we'll choose, pick and choose what comes. Um, you know, obviously we get offered a lot of cars. So we always look at those first and, 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 pick and choose which we which ones we want we'll obviously make make offers on cars all day every day um so we just want to hand pick the ones we really want but essentially if, as long as we maintain between 75 to 90 cars that's kind of our our kind of little, our point where we're comfortable yeah. i think any more than that it becomes extremely stressful um any less than that we're probably not gonna do enough business yeah yeah and like walking around the dealership I know I, I don't know whether people necessarily do this. I'm sure some of your customers do. I think most people, or oh, I can't even talk for most people. Do most people turn up knowing what they want, or do some people turn up and go, "Oh, I want something." Oh, there's a new V12 Vantage, and you're like, "Oh, there's also the convertible." Like, you know, like yeah, it's, it's a mixture. We we know they're serious. Well, they're more serious, I should say, when they turn up and they know exactly what they want. Yeah. They've done their research. You know. People don't visit loads of different dealerships these days when they want to buy a car. They've done all their research online, obviously, and then they'll come in and want to see the car. Um, but we do get, because of where we're based, we're quite in an open site and we're you know next to a, a busy road, um, the A217. So people do just pitch up. And we've had quite a few walk-in deals where people just walk in, might not know what they want. And you know they'll talk to someone and we'll advise them and you know, maybe take something out and, and they end up buying it. So it, it has its benefits being this kind of open site, but we also get a lot of people that just walk around pretending they want to buy something yeah. and actually have no real interest. I think that, if that's a good pastime. It's a good thing to do at the weekend is go and 
cruise around some dealerships and be like, I've not seen one of these cars before. Well, that's it. Saturdays <laughs> here are, we call it the, the Roman theme park because <laughs> we literally get swarmed with people just wanting, traveled from all over the country, even from other countries sometimes to come and see the cars we've got, which is a double-edged sword because it's great. We love people's enthusiasm, but you can easily spend an hour or two with someone and then realize they, you know, get off yeah. in their Ford, uh, Ford Cougar and drive off. You think, oh, okay, he definitely wasn't in the market <laughs> for that. And so, <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe he was, um, maybe, yeah, that's, maybe that is tricky. What, um, what's, what's, what are you seeing? I feel like overall market at the moment, what are you giving you sort of impressions in the various categories that you guys deal with? Yeah, it's, there's different pockets of our, of our market and they're all kind of quite different in, in terms of like our normal newer stuff, one to two years old, has seen a massive drop off in, in prices. Um, you know, the kind of after effects of, of COVID and Brexit and component shortages and massive supply shortages created this a bit of a bubble um, which has been amazing for our industry. And if you speak to anyone that does what we do, they've all had two amazing years. Um, but that has had a big recorrection this year, especially over the last six months where prices have just fallen off massively. And I'm talking like newer Porsches, especially newer Range Rovers even, which you know, people were, were paying massive amount of premiums over list. And that has gone completely the other way. And that, that effect of going from overlist to now underlist, people are losing a lot of money. Um, but the, the kind of the benefit of it is prices have come down a lot. Cars are looking really good value now. Um, and that kind of depreciation is starting to cool off and slow, slow down. So I think people are just getting around the kind of idea of, wow, actually cars are starting to look good value again. Maybe, maybe now is a good time to buy. It is an, it is an interesting one. Like I, I've not watched too much of the market other than buying my GTS and realizing I've just taken a massive hit. Um, but at the same time, looking at other Porsches that were available and I was aware, like the turbo market. Yeah, that's that's been probably the worst of all, um, of all the Porsches because they made so many in the last year. They've just, they everyone was ordering one because they thought, oh my God, Turbo S's are making 40 grand over list. I'm going to order one, I'm going to order one. And they've all come through and now the sort of narrative has changed. They're not worth anything over list now. So all those people that ordered one are now thinking, oh God, I don't want it. Just, just put it on the market or cancel their order. So there's, a, there's loads of brand new Porsches in the Porsche network. Um, and that's obviously pushing down prices on the used ones. So it's, it, will, it will kind of re, you know, they'll find their level again. But right now there's this kind of oversaturation. It's, it is one of the, like that particular one. I if I was in the market for a Porsche right now, I would be watching turbos and going, I reckon sometime in the next couple of months, six months, maybe like these prices are going to keep coming down because there's just so many up for sale. But at the same time, you'll be like, there's a possibility of getting a turbo with a 130 something at some point. Yeah. Like that's very possible. Yeah, and you look off. like if you order a new Carrera S that could easily be 130. Like, yeah. That's the thing. And, and, and the older, I'm still talking 992s, Carrera S's, to, to get a good one, the first, like, they're still at least 80 grand. So 
you know, that it gets to a point where everything just looks good value. And Turbo S's will find their level, whether it's 130, 140. I think they're already finding it. Um, but they'll never go, they'll never no. keep on going down and down and down and down until till they're worth nothing. It's basically a brand new car that is the top of the range and you can buy it for less than the bottom of the range. Like, yeah. It's going to come back up at some point. But as you say, there are a lot of them. And then the fi- like finance, finance has got a lot more. Has, have you seen quite a big change in buyers and type of buyers and cars that are selling? Because finance, finance got so yeah, finance interest rates has been the biggest driver of why the market values have come down because less people are buying because they don't want to go into a higher interest rate. I mean, you know, a lot of people, probably half our customers, normally finance their cars. So, you know, and the, and the days of getting in and out of cars in terms of buying one, having it six months, selling it, not losing a lot, keeping on a low interest rate, those days obviously are not there right now. So. People are scared to sell because they don't want to take the depreciation and they don't want to go into a higher interest rate. So that has fueled this whole thing of, of prices coming down. But like anything, when people normalize to, to rates and you know, my dad will always tell me you know, back in the day when interest rates went up, there was always an effect, a sort of initial effect. And then over time, people just get used to the rate. They think, okay, well, that's what it is. I'm kind of used to it now. And there is the potential that they're going to come down next year. Um, so it's, it's, we're noticing already it's starting to normalize and people are thinking, oh, do you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll take the finance. Um, so which is encouraging us. Um, but yeah, look, no denying it's, it's definitely like the housing market. It's, it's put some hurdles in front of, of, of you know, doing deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is, presuming like housing, like all these things, certain cars sort of impervious to this are certain cars impervious to this or some what what's faring the worst and what's okay we discussed turbos but and what's still you know well i think going the, masters. the older you get in terms of the cars the more safe they are and obviously the rarer cars you can you can still hold out they're, they're not making them anymore there's fewer of them so they're not as affected and any car that's affected by new car supply is going to be worse or off but the, the older cars, especially the very top end, the hyper cars, you're not really seeing prices come down on those. Um, if anything, they've been much more solid and, and some of them are still going up and up, um, especially the really high-end investors. And you know they're thinking, well, the stock market's not great. I've lost a load of money in crypto possibly. Um, you know, where should I, what, what's safe, gold or, you know? A Chiron. Super, yeah, or Chiron. <laughs> <laughs> so... And what can I do with gold and what can I do with a Chiron? A Chiron's going to be much more fun. Um, so that that really high end is definitely kind of like gone against, yeah, the rest of the market. And they're holding pretty firm. Um, yes, there are a lot of people just sitting on their hands at the moment, but, you know, no one's, no one's at that level or very few people at that level who own a collection of hypercars are going to feel the need, oh, interest rates have gone out, I need to sell a few cars. It's, it doesn't happen so much. Yeah. And of those sorts of things like Chirons, etc. I know in the last couple of years, some stuff's kind of gone a bit mental. Um, have some cars come down a bit? Like how have like 918s, P1s, that sort of era of thing, how have they done? They, they've all done pretty well, to be honest. Um, the last year you've seen LaFerrari, for example, they've probably gone up in value a million pounds in the last year. Yeah, 
Um, so what were they a year ago? So a year ago, you could probably get one for about 2.3, that kind of money. And if you look online now, they're 3.3, wow. at least, they're at least 3 million for a good one. Um, so they've gone up. That's partly helped because Ferrari brought out a two-year warranty for the, bat- the battery, which was oh, okay. one of the big worries. Is that quite a pricey option? Uh, do you know what? That's the beauty of it. I think it's um, about, tw- I say beauty, tw- 20 grand, 25 grand, I think it is. That's not, the, like, that's not that bad. It's really good. For, I think the battery's 80 grand. So, yeah. you know, to, to spend 25 grand and get a two-year cover for your battery is, is I think, really good. And that helped massively. Um, and that actually helped push up everything else. 918s went up. P1s have gone up. P1s still have the sim, same issue, though, with the battery. Um, obviously, these hybrid, Holy Trinity, the, the batteries is the biggest worry. And the, P1, the McLaren haven't sorted it out yet in terms of, I think the P1 battery is 100 grand if it goes wrong. And they and if you leave them, it sounds like if you don't like actually drive it, they do go wrong. Yeah, or, or have to. Uh, yeah, they can do. I mean, yeah, they they go wrong sitting still. They can go wrong, you know, when they're out on the road. But, <laughs> like, um, like most of the yeah. Um But overall, it's been good. And and it's, the US has been going absolutely crazy, mm. and we kind of tend to follow their path a little bit, a bit, bit behind and. You know, car auction prices have been mad. F50s have gone through the roof. F40s have been strong. Um, Carrera GTs have been strong. I mean, there's been a little bit of up and down where they've kind of gone up too quickly and they have to kind of come back down. But overall, you know, the overall sense is that those cars are all sort of going up. With things like um, a LAF 918, P1, all cars which only came in left-hand drive. Did P1, could you get a P1 right-hand drive? No. So they were all left-hand drive. Um, is there anything really stopping you from selling a car like a LAF in the States? Yes. Uh, the States has a whole different set of rules to the rest of Europe. Uh, gen- the general rule of thumb is a car has, has to be 25 years old uh, to be legally imported and registered in the US, but you can take a car on show and display purpose, which is something where you could buy a brand new LAF or you know a two-year-old LAF, take it over there, and you could have it there. You could you'd have to have it on a set of show and display registered in a certain place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't actually say, right, I'm going to drive this from California to New York and, and legally be able to do that. But but yeah, very few cars. More, it's much more classic cars that go to the states, but. A lot of that kind of newer stuff will go abroad. Um, we sold quite a few cars to Germany this year. We sold a few cars to Dubai. Um, and some of the right-hand drive stuff can go towards sort of Malaysia, Thailand, those kind of places. Has that, has that increased a lot over the last couple of years since our currencies? Yeah. The, the funny thing is seven or eight years ago, it was the other way around. And we were always looking abroad for cars, special cars like that because everything in the UK was so expensive and actually they were cheaper abroad. Now it's gone completely roles reversed that people in Dubai are looking at the UK and thinking, bloody hell, everything looks amazing value in the UK at the moment. So that we've sold two 918s to Dubai, a LaFerrari, um, and they just think, wow, it's cheap. It's, yeah. it's cheap in the UK. Although, and, and actually, our cars from historically sort of UAE cars, had a bit of a thing for not being looked after. Yeah. Is that still a, yeah, we, a concern? We definitely do not want to buy cars from from the kind of Middle East. No, nothing to do with anything but 
not that the people tend to look after them badly. There's there's an issue with the, the dust and the sand and the deserts and all that. That it, that we've, we, there's countless stories of cars being damaged from underneath because of the dust and the sand. Um, obviously, the specs can be a little bit different. There's a few you know technical differences as well, which you've got to be aware of. But yeah, whenever we get a sort of UAE car offered to us, we're always a little bit apprehensive, and we we need to know everything about the car. We need to know where it's been stored where it's been serviced um and yeah we tend not to buy them yeah yeah yeah. have you been following on still on that sort of thing have you been following Tavares's p1 build is that the one that got in the in the earthquake was it an earthquake or something it was it was flooded yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's footage of it literally like floating down the street i've seen that i've seen that no i haven't (laughs) seen what he's actually ended up doing he's, he's rebuilding it and turning it into like a gtr type thing right quite oh, cool oh yeah i was just wondering if you there uh, if you've seen that and i think that, that was pictures. um when it sold at auction was it was quite low mileage and it was like two million dollars or it was one of the more one of the one of the most expensive p1s or something or even uh, though it was damaged no no before oh, before, before oh, okay, the guy okay. owned it for like three weeks right okay. and then it got yeah, flooded it just it just made me think of the um did you see the wolf of wall street uh <laughs> so, so there's two is that right Oh, is there two? There's one that was crashed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, there's yeah, one yeah. that drives, and they both come up for auction. I don't know whether it's on the same. I don't know if it's the same. Which I, I saw a bunch of content about the um, the crashed one, and it went for like mega money. Did um, it? Just, what do you know what it what it went for? Feel like it was it was definitely over a million. Um, I think I think I saw one point three million dollars. And what's um, a normal well Kintash like worth five hundred four hundred I think. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not 100 percent sure, but that, that, it was definitely like it's more than one, double yeah. for a completely crashed, uh, but obviously such an iconic film and just quite a cool thing to own. But. It's quite funny how that is like that's panned out. You go, someone's paid a lot of money for one that's crashed because there, there is one that is not crashed that is also in the movie, and I'm interested to see what. Mm. Um, and, it, and I think whether it actually crashed, I think it was a case of people taking a load of sledgehammers to it. Yeah. <laughs> which is actually why it was damaged. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny old world. Did you see, um, there's been that white collection. Yeah, yeah, that's that pretty cool. And there was a 918. I just yeah. had, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about this. A white 918 sold for $4 million. It had like minimal miles on it, and uh, yeah, it sold for four million dollars. Like there must be a reason why. <laughs> like I don't, I don't get that. That's like more than double what it should be. So that it, seems it seems odd. I, I think that is a case of the auction doing its thing. Yeah. Like you got that's, you got the right impressive. people there yeah. bidding on it. Um, but that's that is that is quite a lot of cashish. Well, that's just massively over the odds. I mean, there's a white 918 down the road. I'm sure you could buy it for like a million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, um, I know last time we spoke, I think it was last time we spoke. I, th- I feel like GT3s had been out for not that long. Um, and they were going for like 992s, like 250, yeah. 260. How's that all panned out now I, th- I think it's gone the way we we probably thought it would and yeah that was always going to be a bit of a hype train when they first came out um and like slowly they've come back down it's not been a drastic you know two 250 to 
180 is what they are now, really, for a decent one. But that's happened over the course of probably two years. They've, they've yeah. slowly came down. You can probably now pick one up for pretty close to list price. Um, and you're seeing it now with the GT3 RSs, which when they first came out, we had one of the first ones and they were you know, almost 500,000 pounds. Which is they, insane. Which is double what they cost new. And quite quickly within the space of two, three months, they've gone from 500 to about 400, 375. So they've dropped 100 grand literally within three months, um, which is why, you know, it's all about hype when the car yeah. first comes out and you just want it and you just, you'll pay whatever it is to get it. Um, you end up paying over the odds and then people see the reality is more and more come on the market and they're like, oh God. And, and it is, it must be tricky. If you've got an allocation for that car and it comes in and you go, there's one up for nearly 500. Um, I should probably just put mine up for sale. If, someone, tempting, if, if someone buys it for plus over 400, like that's a difficult one there. And then, yeah. And the, the funny thing is people, I, I know a guy uh, just recently who on the GT3s, um, which I'm sure will happen on the RS as well, where they take the pre, they take the money by flipping it. And then when the car comes back for sale a year later, and it's now back at sort of list price, they'll buy it back. Um, so they've they've got all the benefit of like cashing in, and they've actually got their car that they spec'd back. I like that. I like that. I would, if I could get an allocation for certain cars, I, th I could see that. I wonder how much GT3, like GT3 RS, how much people are, I'm very interested to know from owners, whether it's second hand or, or new, what they are using them for and are they enjoying them? Because they seem quite unusable as far as 911s go like yes you can use it but it's got no it's got no frunk yeah it's i, I do have one customer who's, who's quite well known to be fair on on social media who's who got a very early car and he he literally uses his everywhere he takes it to the gym he takes it to the shops and he's uh he's a big advocate for it but but yeah i would say the majority are, are probably sitting in people's garages um, waiting for car events and waiting for track days and, and things like that uh, the only person I know who's got one that uses it all the time, it's probably the same person. <laughs> it's probably, <laughs> it's probably yeah. a, a white car of which they're all, in fact, he's called Bav. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, same person. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see. What about 991 versus 992? How is that? Because manual touring 991s, a lot of hype around them because they're, they're cool. Um, a lot rarer nine nine one. So there, I think the nine nine ones are probably. I think there's yeah forty eight. I think there was. Um, and the nine nine ones are now more expensive than nine nine twos. Um, it, with the tourings at least. Obviously, with the winged cars, there was a lot more nine nine ones. But the gap is not that big. Um, you know, considering the nine nine twos were two fifty, the nine nine ones only ever got to about one sixty, one seventy maybe. And now for a good 991, you're paying 140-ish. Um, we've got one actually at the moment. And a, and a 992 is now 175, 180. So the gap is, is pretty small. But people still prefer, some people still prefer the 991. Yeah. And I think that, do you have a preference? Have you driven um, much 992s versus 991s? There's something a bit cleaner looking wise about the, the 991s. I do actually think they... They look a bit purer. Um, I'm not a mad fan of the nostrils on, on the front of the 992, but 
and and it's probably more probably more track focused it's not as comfortable i mean i know it's a gt3 you don't necessarily expect it to be but there is planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Something that's a little bit more compliant about the 991s um, and a bit more hardcore about the 992s. So, yeah, I'd, I'd personally probably want a 991 also because I think they're just steadier on money. Yeah, yeah, they've sort of, they've done the, the thing and, and reach their point. It does. I look at them. I, I for sort of day to day type situation. I like having a nine nine two for like the comfort type stuff. It's it's better, but there's not that much difference in them, like really. Um, but they do feel when I look at a nine nine two, they do feel like you've sort of been they've been bloated by like five ten percent. It's in like taken like the clean nine nine one, which is a really nice looking shape and then just kind of gone like <laughs> exactly yeah i think the what the thing that they've got above they've got over and above the 901 is that the interiors are a lot nicer the the, the tech's more clean it's, it's more intuitive apart um, from the cup holders <laughs> yeah. i don't mind the cup holder or the one in the 901 they're in the in the glove box basically aren't they the no, they, they fold out yeah i know but i don't know it's always a stretch over. i think it's probably all right if you've got a pdk i've got a manual and if you put anything in the middle Mm. Oh, oh yeah it gets in the way it gets right? in the way i was actually gonna look if um someone would make like a custom or they might have already done it cup holder that you can attach to the passenger seat you know like yeah. to the bolts or something yeah, yeah, that, and then an just like idea. pop it down there um but yeah no it's uh it's interesting seeing seeing what's what how are things like how over the last couple of years like enzos i feel like enzos have not have they gone up much? They, they've gone up a lot. Yeah, they 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 probably don't get quite the sort of airtime that the the F fifties and the F forties get um, because it's not a manual, and the F fifties have, have gone just absolutely through the roof. Obviously, F forties are just so loved; everyone loves talking about them. The Enzo has gone a little bit under the radar, but they have gone up a lot. Um, you know, they were probably what were they two? Two and a half million two or three years ago. They're now at least three and a half, I'd say. Um, the delivery mileage one we've actually got at the moment is is in the fours, but it's you know it's a bit of a one-off. It's got a, a Coyo interior and it's on 136 miles, so literally never been driven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, they're still and you know named after the man himself. Movies just come out, <laughs> which, which hopefully is going to help. Um, but yeah, they're still hugely collectible and I think and F50s are in the fours yeah yeah F50s are in the fours now 
Um, so, you know, it's... Which uh, is the most expensive of the 288 up to now? I think the most expensive, I think, is the Laferroi Aperta. Um, obviously, that's the newest and being the Aperta. But I think the F50 is pretty close. Um, and I think the F50, because of the numbers, is only 349 uh, compared to, you know, everything. Well, the 288 GTO is the rarest, but they're just almost a bit too old, I think. To, yeah. they're, obviously, they're still huge money and hugely collectible. But I think the F50s are, are, are worth more. Yeah. Yeah, it's that that particular part of the market has just gone like, and presumably can F fifties. They're not quite old enough to go go to America yet, are they? Yeah, they are. They are. It's, oh, it's twenty five years. So the Enzo is almost old enough. We've actually had a few inquiries from the US on our Enzo, and it's in two years' time um, that car can go to the US. But F fifties are going to the US quite regularly. Okay. Because um, they're 90, what, they're 96, 97. So, yeah, they're over 25 years. And that, if you, if you notice when when cars hit that sort of magic 25 years, definitely America, I think, is becoming a bigger and bigger market for these cars. It's, yeah, America is is the biggest market now. Um, but we don't really sell many cars of, of that age, so we don't really see it. Obviously, most of the stuff we've got is under three years old. So, you know, 90% of the cars we sell, probably 95% are in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think, um, historically, there's been a, a sort of right-hand drive premium in the UK, funnily enough. Um, does that exist in that? It's changing. It definitely was... Type of car. It used to be quite a big difference. Uh, I'm thinking 599 GTO is a good one, which, which make right-hand drive, left-hand drive. And the gap is now much smaller and in a lot of cars it's now reversed so left-hand drives are actually worth more um but 599 gtos are still for some reason the right-hand drives are worth a bit more but f12 tdfs obviously the successor to it is now the other way around so right-hand drives are now worth less than left-hand drives um and if you look on the, in the states pretty much all f12 tdfs are over a million pounds wow over here they're sort of 800 900 pounds that's so kind of yeah, crazy. It's mad how it's literally flipped. I because I when I was selling my car, I was like uh, therefore I was looking at like other stuff, and, and I really enjoyed having. I would rather have had a right hand drive car to, to use, but for selling, I think it's really difficult if you're spending that sort of money on anything like new or, or to not go. Yeah, but if I get a left hand drive, I can sell it to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing, and and as much as there's some good countries you can sell right-hand drive to, the the market's just much bigger for left-hand drive, especially obviously Europe. Um, you know, Germany is a massive massive place for for big car collectors, and yeah, and now the the difficult thing is now with Brexit, the rules the rules have all changed, so it's much harder to sell cars in the EU now uh, without extra VAT and, and taxes. So really looking outside the eu dubai you know middle east is that that's that's your best best bet really yeah i'm i'm, I'm up for this though for cars let's say something like a, a 997 4.0 or i don't know 911r or those sorts of things i'm very happy or speciality or something like that i'm very i would be very happy not owning one of those currently right now mm -hmm. for them to flip and be mm -hmm. significantly cheaper to be right-hand driving like happy days <laughs> yeah. cost less yeah um 
There's, there's certain cars I think of just have a big UK fan base. Uh, Speciali is, is one of them. And that's why the Speciali right-hand drives are still a lot more than left-hand drives. Um, but, you know, people love those. People, you know, so many of our clients have one or have owned one. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't see them flipping to left-hand yeah. driving more, but they might do. Do you, um, and they made a lot of Specialis, like, overall. Um, do you look at any of that sort of, type of era car whether it's like 458 up to now in ferraris just like v8s or sort of the, the rare porsches from that period and go one of them seems like it where's the value in that that point is there a, a couple of cars in that point that you go like hang on you get a lot for mm. yeah what they cost yeah we're always looking at that and we're always looking at what is as much as we're not you know, we buy cars to sell them more or less straight away. We don't put cars away uh, for a few years or whatever. But we're, we've always got that in mind because, you know, there's certain cars that we think, how have they not taken off? A Bugatti Veyron is, is quite a good example. You've seen everything in that hypercar bracket go through the roof and Bugatti Veyrons haven't. Um, part of that's down to the maintenance costs and things like that. But that car now, and especially six to nine months ago, looked unbelievably good value of Bugatti Veyron. And you're already now seeing that catch up. And now Bugatti Veyrons are selling again. Um, and people are seeing, oh God, they are undervalued. And the other ones, the SLR McLaren. Uh, what is an people, SLR now? Um, they're always in the twos. Yeah, so. they're, they're still, I think, for a coupe, they're still probably late twos now, early threes. Um, a 722 edition, which is the rarer, more powerful one, is, I think about 400 to 500 um but you know that if you remember the era that they were in porsche carrera gts over a million pounds um enzos yeah three four million pounds um so the slrs just look crazy cheap yeah um so a lot of people think that's the next one possibly but again maintenance costs they're they're a problem there are problem and on. Pe people have said that about SLRs for a long time. Mm. But then um, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, well, the, the potential in value, the 20 grand for a service is insignificant compared to if it goes yeah. for 200 grand, you know, increase in value. It's worth paying, obviously. And if you turn up somewhere in an SLR, people go, that's a, that's a serious mm. bit they're, of kit, they're, they're, Yeah, because they weren't... The, prettiest things in the world uh, when they came out but i think they've now crossed over into that sort of old school cool um thing and they sound amazing and you know they're they're they're, they're pretty cool cars they're pretty cool mm. it's a big like style statement they, they mm. have a real like look that doesn't you know it, it's quite different to a amg gtr or something like how are they how are those done i know that's a car you particularly like yeah, I, I had one. I think I had one last time we spoke. Um, I still I still love them. I don't have one anymore. But, you know, for, for bang for buck, when you want a modern supercar kind of thing, um, you know, you look at 100 grand and you think, what can I buy? An AMG GTR just stands out for me. I mean, I do like the R8s, which is sort of similar price bracket. Um, or, you know, or you go Porsche. But I think the people that buy into R8 AMG GTRs it's all about the noise, uh, the fact they're German, everything works well. Um, and they're a different kettle of fish to, you know, what Porsches can you buy for 100 grand, maybe a GT4, 
um, you know, maybe a maybe a 991.1 GT3. For me, a GTR, AMG, or an R8 is just a bit more exciting. Yeah, and what when what years is GTRs? They're like first lot. Are they 17, 18? Yeah, 17 they came out first, I think, or 18 um, around then. Yeah, so and they haven't replaced it yet. And what are they now? A hundred. 100 they're about 100 110 they've been like 100 for like four years they went up as everything went up and they've come back down as everything's come back down but only by sort of small smaller fractions um but you know they're fairly seasonal i think Uh, you know they're they're real drive they're fairly bumpy right i I used mine every day drove it to work and back every day and i loved it i i got used to the ride not being silky smooth i don't expect it to be but um, for me, yeah, there's there's not another car at hundred grand that I think gets as much value. And they are, I th- I've always liked them. I've always looked at them and gone, they're quite cool. And in like a non, for me, I couldn't do any of the like Larry Green or whatever, just like a sort of nice the blue or whatever. Um, you go, it's actually quite a special car, and you don't see them. You don't see them. That's the thing. People, and they're really practical. Yeah, a lot of people are like, well, what is that? When when I had mine, people didn't, you know, non-car people, they were just like, oh my God, it looks like, looks like it should be 250 grand. And, and it's not. Um, and you can, you know, I leave mine, left mine on my drive, leave it on the street in London, never have to worry about it. Yeah. And then it, so it, went, and it went GTR, GTR Pro, which I feel like that's really nerdy in terms of like, an average person going what's that you go like i can't really explain that it's somewhere it's it's a bit more (laughs) it's like a plus version of the (laughs) gtr and then we now have black series how black series done black series um so literally got one in my view right now it's so they were about 330 i think list price they went up to probably 100 grand over uh 45 they've now come back down a little bit to sort of 380 375 um so yeah stopped making them it's a black series so it's always going to hold something you know in people's eyes that black series is the ultimate mercedes so you know the, the thing the biggest complaint about them is that the gtr and the gtr pro sound better um because they Which, changed the uh, yeah the, the, the strengths uh but looks wise i mean you know it's the ultimate batmobile so you know nothing can really compete i when it came out i was like that nah, nah. No, bit no, over the top. What's what's with the engine? It looks over the top, but now when I see one, I'm like, oh no, that's <laughs> it's pretty cool. cool. Like it's pretty yeah. serious bit of bit yeah. of kit. And I, I hear they're quite they're quite good to um, to drive. Uh, on the sort of uh, everyday family type car and stuff like that. How where are we? we covered Range Rovers are now you can get one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of them, but they're, they're, they're still probably one of our best selling cars. Saying that. Um, you know, we, we is that the most popular sort of second car slash family car type that you come yeah. across? Yeah, and as far as you know, SUVs go, which most people seem to have an SUV in there. You know, if they've got, especially if they've got kids, uh, Range Rover is probably number one for our client base. I mean, a lot of people love the Urus, a lot of people love the G wagons. They're still really hot. Um, is a 63 still over list? A 63. G-Wagon. Oh, G63, yeah. Uh, no, they're not over list anymore. No. That, that's actually what I probably want next. I've got a Defender 90 V8, but I've had another another kid, so I probably need a slightly bigger car. And the G-Wagon seems like the natural yeah. 
the natural choice up. Although I like the fact that Defender 90 is small and kind of nippy and get around. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. And then have you driven one of the new Cayennes? I haven't driven the new one, no. Um, but obviously driven plenty of Cayennes. I, I, yeah, I, I like them. Uh, I like the GTS. Um, but the new one, I can't imagine it's going to be massively different. And I know that you can... It's got some trick suspension or something. Um, yeah, I, I, I was looking at hybrids of all sorts, going like, oh, family car may next be a hybrid. But so many of the hybrids, you chop so much boot space. Yeah. The boot, you lose so much. Um, and, and add weight. And add a lot mm. of... They are heavy. Yeah. Um, but I know the new Cayenne's got a, a whopping boot. So I'm like, hmm, maybe, yeah. maybe. And, maybe and the, be- the, the beauty, I guess, of the hybrids, and especially with electric, is the tax benefits. And, you know, if you can run it as a company car, it is massively beneficial. Um, so that kind of, you know, counteracts the, the, the weight and the sort of um, inconvenience of having to charge them up and things. Yeah. Do you run, do you, you don't run an electric or anything? Anything like that? No, I haven't. I'd, I'd, yeah, I, I probably should, for, for certainly for company car tax purposes. But if you had to buy an electric car for as a company car, because you'd get that would get most of the mm. all the tax benefits. What would you What would you get? Um, good question. I mean, my wife drives a, a Range Rover Sport, so probably for I'd just use her. I, she should probably drive a hybrid. Um, and I'll just put that as my company car yeah. <laughs> and then I can drive what I want um, but yeah electric stuff I mean do you know the car I keep hearing good things about is the Lotus uh, elect- is it Electra? Electra uh, Electra yeah. I've had quite a few two or three of my clients that have got them recently and they are raving about them really interesting yeah. which a, is interesting yeah a, um, a friend of mine has got one I, he, I've not spoken to him much since he's he's got it but it's like the thing that he keeps mentioning is it's it's like two point one meters wide, or really? two, it's it's one of the widest cars you can buy by like a reasonable margin. Yeah, and that's, like, that's enough to put you, me off. You hit like a width restriction or something, and he's like, it's it's just game over. Like, you just can't get through things. Right. In in London, it's just you know, Southwest London. There are so many. I, I've done so many wheel curbs going through Fulham and. Yeah, places like that, it's just uh, painful. Yeah, that's why I, uh, something like a Defender on Steelies or something, you know, with like tons of sidewall and then also the rim you're not that bothered about would make for a, a, a bit more of a luxurious experience because you're not 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 bricking it um, the whole time. Um, what else? I think we covered most of the most of the things we're seeing. What are you thinking about in the car space at the moment? Any any um, topics? That, I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, for us, we're, we're just planning ahead for next year. Um, do we think, you know, do we think the depreciation on cars is going to continue? I don't think it will. Um, you know, people are sort of, as I said, getting back into, into thinking finance is more normal. Um, I mean, you know, we always think what cars are coming out next year, what's going to be the next big thing, um, what and is coming out next year? I've kind of, I, yeah, not even, I'm, I'm trying not to think, really sure. I mean, what springs to mind? I guess there's the new Range Rover Sport SVR or SV is called, I think now SV Edition 1. That's probably going to be quite a good seller for us. Yeah. Um, there's the Pure Sangue. Yes. That's a big one for us. Have you had um, any in yet? 
Haven't had anyone. Uh, there any aren't that yet. many UK cars. No, I think yet. there's a handful being delivered and have been offered one, but uh, yeah, the premiums on those are scary, or at least the people that have got them will only sell them if they get silly yeah. money. Because um, what's that list? 400? They're about 400. Um, and then that's people want 100 grand plus. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's the most common call I'm getting at the moment is people, oh, I can get a slot for a pure sangue, but it doesn't come till next year, this time next year. And what shall I do? Shall I take it? And I'm like, mm, ah, that's a long time away. That is a long time away. <laughs> um, that a lot can change in a year. And we've seen it this year. Uh, so I'm saying, look, if it was me, I wouldn't. So if you're, if you're financing that to some regard, that's you're basically at 10% now. So you're yeah. spending at that point, you possibly spending 40 grand a year yeah, just, on just on interest. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the people that can afford a, a 400, 500 grand car can afford to pay the interest. You'd like to think, uh, but they it's, might not yeah. want to. No, you don't want to. But, you know, I guess if they've got, you know, the, the funny shift that we've seen, which is not great um, for us in terms of finance, but the collectors and the investors, they used to buy, even, even if they got 100 million in the bank. Um, they would buy a LaFerrari or Bugatti for two, three million pounds, say, but they would always fund it because the in, to them, the interest rate was so low. And they were like, well, I can earn way more than 3% by my investment. So I'll borrow the money, I'll finance the LaFerrari, and I'm I'll, making I'll 2% use my money. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Exactly. So, and that's obviously now shifted. Um, so very few of those people would ever finance uh, a car like that. But, um, you know, it's 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 hopefully it will, will change back there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel yeah hopefully hopefully <laughs> yeah. but it does it does it does mean that there are going to be at some point in time in the next year two years whatever some unbelievable bargains yeah and and there already is i mean we're you know some people take it to extremes because they know the market is is not where it was and you're just getting people making silly offers um which i get if the car's overpriced make an offer but you know, there's just there's just some people just you know it, nothing's ever cheap enough. Yeah, you can, you can have the best price car in the whole market, but they'll only buy it if they get ten grand off, 50, yeah. fifteen grand off, and you just like. Well, uh, here's a real deal right now. That that red eight twelve. I said I wouldn't get another Ferrari again, but if if you sell that for a hundred grand, <laughs> I will take it. <laughs> As would I, and, and the rest of the lot. Um, but yeah, there no, is actually really nicely spec'd. A12 mm -hmm. with like 2,000 miles on it for sale. Rosso Fuca. 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 It's like the best red. Yeah, it is, it is amazing, that car. And I'm amazed it hasn't sold yet, but it will go. This is what it is. This is what it is. These things are changing. Um, so I normally wrap this up with five questions. You've been on this a bazillion times already, so I won't hit you with the five. Um, what, what do you think is the most undervalued? What should be worth? What's a good buy right now? I think we the, the one that springs to mind is one we spoke about earlier was is the SLR. Um, I think that's undervalued uh, by hundred grand possibly, um, and you know being the only car that's got that combination of being a McLaren and a Mercedes, uh, that's a historical car. So I, I think fast forward ten years, that will prove to be a very good buy. Nice and five car garage. Unlimited value, what are you going to have? Five car garage, if I'm thinking 
uh, sort of sensibly in terms of I can't just have five hypercars. Um, I would have my hypercar, which would for me has always been the Pagani Zonda. That's 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 which one? the one. Uh, probably I'd go a Zonda F mm. um, Coupe. That that was I, I think I've said it before. Where that was the car the day I started working here. We had one in the showroom, and I just literally remembered just being so mesmerized, and I've never got that out of my head. Um, second car I would have, I guess more, um, I guess, do I have to have a classic? I probably should have an older classic, shouldn't I? Um, I would have, what would I have? What would I have? I do like old school Lambos, I have to say, as Mm. much as I know they could be a a horror. Um, but I'd maybe pick that Countach from Wolf of Wall Street, not the crashed one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think that they're, they're very cool. And then I'd have, I'd probably have a C63 Black Series. Um, massive soft spot for me again. And just think they're super cool. And I could use it. But I guess for a real daily today with modern tech and good sound system and, and everything that I'd want on a daily basis, I would probably go, oh, I want to say a G-Wagon because I just keep thinking about G-Wagons. But um I also love the Targas, Porsche Targas, the 992 mm-hmm. Targa 4 GTS. But let me let me go G Wagon. I'll go G63 because I just think that kind of allows me to take the kids and 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 go places. Um, do I have any left? I've got a. I, I, I think I've got one left. Let's so say you got one left. I got one left, and I'll probably go. I've got to have a Ferrari. Um, what Ferrari? I'd I'd probably go 458 Speciali. Oh, something about them. Something. There about is something them. about them. So yeah, that would be sort of my like modern classic that I'd take out on a weekend. Nice. What's a, what's a speciality nowadays? Uh, probably uh, at least three fifty for a good one for a sort of delivery mileage. You're probably paying four hundred. Uh, again, left hand drives are like three hundred, if that. So um, if you're not fast about left hand drive, that's that's the cheapest way in, but. Yeah, for a good one, you're paying, I'd say, 350, and 360. With those cars, I was always amazed at how low the mileages always seem to be for something that we know is quite drivable and usable mm-hmm. and everyone talks about how great they are and how much they drive them. I've You never see any with, like, 30,000 miles on. No, they, they tend to attract... I mean, most, like, a lot of our clients, big, the big collectors have all had one or have all got one. And, you know, those kind of people have... 15, so 20 cars, yeah. so they just they just park them up. So there's quite a lot of cars that are yeah just ultra low miles, but um, but yeah they, they are very usable. So um, maybe all the people that use them have just got them and are keeping them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I a yellow Speciali is a car I would love to own at some point, and I don't know. I it would it would go from whatever value I bought it at to quite a lot less because I would drive it like five thousand miles in a year. Um, but anyway, right. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Show around. Thanks for coming back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.